Welcome to the Behind the Wealth show. Today I uh, I get to host the show. Roger Abel's on vacation. My name's Elias Randall. I'm here with Jonas Everett. He's another advisor in our office with nearly 30 years of experience. And I really enjoy saying that because it makes him sound old. But really, it's just uh, he's got a lot of wisdom. Jonas, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Why, why aren't we on vacation, Elias? Well, so, someone's got to work. That's just, that's the truth of it. Someone's got to keep working around We here. love this stuff too much to go on uh, too, too long a vacation. So. Yep. Yeah. And today we got a couple, I think we have several um, good topics. You know, we're in, a, I, I think we officially reached a bear market last week or the week before. I've been just calling it a bear market because I don't, it, to me, once you get to a certain point, it's close enough. So we're just going to talk about some of the things we did on the ra- our uh, live radio show the other night, just some insights for investors. Um, what are some of the things that they can do when stocks and bonds are falling? What can you do in rising interest rate environments? What can you do when inflation is hot? So we're just going to cover um, a lot of those hot topics today. Yeah, you're exactly right, Elias. It's like uh, this is the first time... Uh that uh, people are looking at their uh, their 401k statements this year and they're seeing, oh my gosh, my stocks are down 14%, my bond holdings are down 8%. That's never happened before in 50 years where stocks and bonds lost money at the same time. Usually bonds are supposed to be safe and make you something when stocks go down. So it's a really challenging time, uh, but there are some... Uh, there are some mindsets to have during times like these that, that I think that are helpful. And uh, the savvy investor is just going to take advantage of, of these downturns. And five and 10 years from now, they're going to they're gonna make out pretty well. And it is, it is a challenging year. And especially for, I think, to me at least, the most popular portfolio out there. People refer to it as the 60-40 portfolio. It's almost been like, like what, like the champion horse of retirees for a long time. And then all of a sudden this year, it's just not working like it used to. But again, I think that's, I think that's going to be short term. And actually, I think the good news is for people that are invested um, in any sort of mix like that, 50, 50, 60, 40, 70, 30, the good news is the projections on future returns will be better. Um, as you can start making more yield on your bond. So just some things to keep in mind this year, like Jonas just talks about, we're just in a rare and unusual market. We have bond bond market going down and the stock market going down. But what our show is really about and what we talk about a lot about is successful investor behavior and investing for the long term. And I, th- I guess my opinion of some of this is a lot of the bad news um, I feel like a lot of the bad news is priced in. Uh, Jonas, do you have any insight on into that? Well, I think that uh, you know people need to uh, really identify their relationship with money right now. And you look at their, you look at your retirement accounts. If you haven't identified the amount of money that you put in the last five years and what your gains have been, and you're going into a down market today then you're just experiencing these losses as something new. Well, losses actually aren't anything new. They've been around for years, but fluctuation is really not loss. So one of the things that we're telling people is uh, 
quit looking at this pile of money as that, as a pile of money, and try to identify what that money means to you. So at the end of the day, investing is money in now for money out later. What stage are you at as an investor? Are you the money? If you're in the money in stage and you have the proper mindset, um, you're not worried about what the market is really doing. You're looking at the market as almost a uh, um, psychotic business partner that's making you a deal every time you get, <laughs> every time you get paid and every time you're adding to your 401k. Oh, the market's down 660, uh, you know, eight points. I'm not changing my allocation. I like my my mix in my 401k. I'm going to continue to put in at these bargain levels, whether or not I know what the price is going to be five or 10 years from now, because I'm a buyer. I'm putting money in right now. If you're at the point where you're taking uh, money out, I think it's very, very important uh, to get a one-page financial plan because all the rules have changed. All the withdrawal rates have changed. Um, if somebody had a 100% bond portfolio and was taking income off of that, that's completely looks different this year. So it, it really depends on Elias, which stage of investor you're at. You know, I would say if you're three to five years from nearing to the point where you want to take some money out or at least considering that, I would come on in and, and get a uh, get a financial plan done because, uh, like I said, most of these rules have changed. Now, the next five years, like Elias said, kind of the if we're all in the same boat together, if we're all investing for our future and our family's futures, the next five years is going to look a completely different than the last five years because the last five years we didn't have any inflation we didn't have any interest rates the next five years we're almost in this this plane elias where we're uh we're in these investment accounts and uh we see it on the radar now that wasn't there the last five years and on the radar you have these recession clouds you have higher interest rate clouds you have the prices of things going up like crazy you have inflation clouds and you know what a what a one-page financial plan is going to do is see if there's any pockets of cruising altitude that we can maybe get into that'll kind of kind of make that cruise a little bit uh less bumpy uh for us but uh yeah the next five years i mean you could pat yourself on the back on the last five years the next five years is going to look completely different. If you don't have a plan for it, I think uh, people are going to be really, uh, really surprised by that. They they probably will. And I'm, and I'm glad you brought up financial planning because that's really, I, I believe our firm really specializes in financial planning. And to me, investing is kind of, it's secondary after that. Once you've gone through the process of doing all the things you're just talking about. You make a plan, you define your relationship with money, you know what your spending's going to be, you know what asset allocation you should be in. You know, when you're going through those turbulent inflation clouds or those turbulent, you know, your bond values are down this year, your financial plan's almost like a very skilled pilot that can help you, uh, help you navigate those dark clouds that you might be going through. Um, so let's kind of move into do you want to move into some of the common behavioral biases? Sure. The last five years, you know, we talk about some of these biases that investors have. The last five years is just good old overconfidence bias. 
Uh, your 401ks are going up. There's no reason to rebalance. There's no reason to consider uh, uh, taking your uh, your gains um, off of the table and locking them in. The 401ks are just going up and up. Uh, little road bump in March 2020, right, that lasted a month. That was the COVID crash. Um, everything went down 33 days straight and went down 34%. But if you were still working uh, or if you were working from home or, you know, a lot of people were just working from home at that point. They didn't switch their accounts. The The recovery started soon after that uh, that that drop. So, right. uh, and, th- and we've been this year, we've been in a more traditional grinding, traditional, yeah. grinding bear market. Yeah. It's almost like death by a thousand pricks, right? Where yeah. The, the COVID correction how many negative statements did people get maybe one if you're only getting quarterly statements you might have got one that was bad and your next one was probably a lot better than that yeah we're going to talk about frequency bias there the people that were really concerned about the covid crash check their statements every day online right so they saw it go down 33 business days uh um, in, a, in a row, we're going to talk about frequency bias next. But uh, this overconfidence bias, I'm guilty of this. Why switch anything if it's working? You know, it's like the whole the Hayden Fry uh, statement. You know, scratch where it itches. If if the 401k is going up, don't uh, don't touch it. And uh, the 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 challenge with that is kind of like driving. If you ask uh, any driver on the road who's the best driver on the road, they're going to tell you what, Elias. I am. I'm, I'm the, the best, best driver yeah, on the of road. Of course yeah. I am. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with my 401k. It's great. It's it's going up. But uh, uh, that's the great debate. Uh, that's why it's very, uh, I think it's helpful to work with a financial planning firm because the great debate of investing is always buy low, sell high, which is, which is the easiest to do, which is the toughest to do. What do you think, Elias? The, What's the... the well, we've had this debate several times. This is <laughs> this is a fun debate to bring up at happy hour. What's what's harder to do, buy high or excuse me, buy high or sell low? What's the actual question? Yeah, what's yeah. hard? Okay, so here's my my opinion of it's easier to buy low than it is to sell high. Yes. I think selling high is a challenge for investors. I think it's a challenge for I don't think it's a challenge for maybe portfolio managers or people running portfolios because they understand why rebalancing is important. So this year has been a great example. People that back in December or January had you made, I'm talking retired folks that need cash for distributions. If you would have rebalanced your portfolio and raised some cash, you have absolutely no reason to be worried right now because you're living off cash that you sold when the market was high. But to your point, oh, it's going great. Let's just keep it going. So sometimes strategically you have to make those make those good decisions and be proactive about it. Oh, I, I totally agree. It's a lot more difficult to uh, to sell high. And uh, this overconfidence bias is a, is a real thing because, uh, you know, it's uh, you, you almost, uh, it's, it's, it's so easy to do. And you almost have to be suspicious about uh, your accounts at all times. And what I mean by that, my most financially successful um, customers, my, uh, my most savvy investment customers, they're suspicious about their gains just as much as they're suspicious about their losses. 
So the, like you mentioned, Elias, uh, the last five years, my most successful customers have come in and they've locked their gains in. They've, they knew exactly two things. They knew exactly the amount of money that they put in the cookie jar, their money. They knew the amount of money that their, their company put in the cookie jar and they knew exactly what their gains were and they came in and they're like, they were thinking, they, they didn't have overconfidence bias for whatever reason. They were thinking, wow, I've doubled the amount. You know, I've doubled my in my 401k and I just don't, you know, maybe, maybe they're a little bit pessimistic. I think they're more suspicious, but they're like, I don't want this to go backwards. I'm ready to lock this in. And uh, uh, the, the really uh, super savvy customers that I have, they almost did it for me as far as uh, they almost uh, eliminated this overconfidence bias by reminding me that I, I do need to rebalance their, their accounts because I think financial advisors and really the financial industry is at fault on this overconfidence bias too because why stop that? Why stop dancing when the music's playing? Um, if, you know, if the S and P keeps going up and up and up, I mean, what, you know, what's wrong with that? Let's, let's have this continue forever. But, uh, again, back to the, uh, back to the financial plan. Um, if your financial plan says that you need, let's just say as a round number of resources, you need 850,000, um, in retirement accounts, uh, to retire, with maybe one pension and two social securities. So that 850 is kind of like your bogey. That's kind of like your your quota that you have to have. Well, if if we're if we're experiencing a market like we had the last 5 years and your your 850 goes up to 1.2, it's not necessarily going to help you retire any more successfully because you've we've determined in your financial plan that you only need 850. Now, however, the last thing we want to do, you know, investing is uh, not losing money and not missing any, any opportunities is kind of like a teeter-totter. What we definitely don't want to do for you is have that 850 do what, Elias? Go down to what? Well, have the 850 go to 400 yeah, or we, 500. Yeah, we yeah. cannot tolerate that. So that's the, that's the other side of investing. That's the not losing money and the not missing any opportunities. But uh, overconfidence bias is a, is a very real thing. I think, we're, uh, I think we're heading towards the opposite of that where losses hurt a couple of times, two or three times more than any gains seem to help. And uh, um, you know, I would rather have my customers be overconfident than, uh, than very fearful and, and panicking about losses. But this is the nature of the beast. This is what the, the markets do all the time. Yeah, and that that actually transitions well into one of our behavioral biases, which was fear and loss aversion. Um, so a lot of times, what you'll see investors do is the market has gone down, so then they decide to sell because they're they're attempting to avoid more losses. Which, and I this is some of the most I always feel like when I tell someone this, it's the most boring advice as possible, but just waiting out the downturns in the market, because if you're invested appropriately, one, if you're a young person saving in a 401k, the market going down is such an irrelevant event in the big picture of your life. If you're a retired person and you're on a good di distribution strategy, or you've locked in some gains over the years, like you're talking about, 
the fluctuation the fluctuation in your account should also be really not that relevant. I mean, it's going to feel like a poke in the eye no matter what, but it shouldn't be a reason to start selling any assets that, that you own because you should already have some cash raised. You should maybe have some fixed income investments paying, uh, paying yield. Well, you, uh, what you were talking about, you mentioned this on AM 600 radio where people delegate the research and the technology over to us. That's why they, that's why they pay us to work with them, right? They're, they're delegating. Yeah. Uh, they want us to do the research. They want us to have the technology and, uh, right. You know, so the, th- I, I, so the other thing I wanted to point out with the, the fear and loss aversion bias, selling when the market goes down because you start to get a little fearful, to me, just that behavior doesn't make sense because you weren't. So when the S&P 500 was trading at 4,800, if you weren't willing to sell then, why are you willing to sell when it goes down to 4,000 or 3,900? Yeah, so, so that's what I have a hard time wrapping my mind around with the fear and loss version, I understand the emotions of it, but just from a pure being a successful investor, when the market's high, if you're not willing to sell and the market goes down, you should be even more unwilling to sell. Like me right now, the market being down in the ballpark of 15%, I don't wanna sell any of my investments. Now I'm young, so obviously I just wanna keep buying more because that's the best thing that I can do. Um, so anyway, what, what's your take on fear and loss aversion? I know we've talked about before how the gains, the gains don't feel as good as the losses hurt. I know that's, and I know that's something you talk with your clients about. Oh, absolutely. And the, you know, the media doesn't help either. You know, we try to get our customers to take a financial media vacation and, and not look at their account balances because how long should that vacation be? Well, we, we, we were recommending 30 days before, I mean, but you know, now everybody's connected all the time. Right. So we're, we're right. just seeing if people can possibly do three days three. without, without, <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that sounds like a short vacation, but Boy, if you could just get out to the in the garden for three days, or or go to Galena, or just take take a few people out to lunch that you haven't seen for a while, and just not look at your account balances, I think you're going to gain. You talked about we talked about this on AM six hundred, Elias. Just a perspective that oh, it'll come back. You know, I I was panicked about it. It's like it's it's almost like in our business. Um, the, uh, the 24 hour rule when we get a, uh, yeah, when we, when we get some bad information, we want to send an email off right away, wait 24 hours. And then if it's that big of a deal, send the email off, but just a three D three day media vacation. But yeah, you're exactly right. Elias. We talked about this, uh, again on, uh, AM 600 that the losses hurt, uh, two or three times, uh, then the gains seem to help and people, are seeing that right now. And that, and again, just a, a vacation from the financial media, if you can take like a three-day vacation right now. I've, uh, I've been doing business and working and investing over, this is my, if this is officially a recession, this is my fourth recession that I've been in business. Uh, the last three, they've lasted 16 months on average Stocks have gone down 45%. You know, I tell this before stocks, I tell this story to people before stocks go down and they kind of, they can't imagine the 45% drop, but that's, 
that's pretty normal uh, uh, during uh, during the recession. And this is back to 2000, so you have a you know you have a 22 year um, history of uh, of this. But like you said, Elias, fluctuation is not loss, and uh, the savvy investors they're taking advantage of this fluctuation. If they're looking at their growth mutual funds and they like the holdings, they like Tesla, they like Microsoft, they like Facebook, they like Netflix, they like uh, uh, Alphabet or Google, they love all of those companies, then the super savvy investors right now are just backing up the truck and they're actually increasing their retirement account contributions. They're putting what we call their second spare tires in, you know, the amounts over and above uh, six to nine months in, in income in an emergency fund. And they're really backing up the truck right now because the best, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. They're thinking that they're planting some trees now that'll look pretty darn good 20 years from now. So, so you just said something, and I, I want to ask you a question, that this is now, if we are officially in a recession, this will be your fourth recession since you've been in the business. So I, I'm hearing all this talk that it's different this time. Do you, do you believe that? Do you think it's different? Do you think the ultimate outcome will be different? What are some of your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's the same, but it's also different. I think the pain is the same and will be this, the same. Uh, and Roger Abel and I talk about this uh, you know, all the time, that uh, the recession back in 2000, a lot of it was, uh, was based on really the excitement, the dot-com um, excitement. So a lot of these companies... I think to get underneath the hood and, and get into the weeds a little bit, didn't really have a formal business plan and never really uh, could actually make any profits whatsoever. Uh, reminds me, if anybody remembers the 2000 days, the pets.com, the, uh, the sock puppet dog on uh, Macy's Parade that uh, uh, was very popular that year, uh, pets.com had no formal business plan whatsoever. They were just the first ones to have pets.com and they wanted to sell, you know, uh, pet merchandise and food uh, online. Well, that, that didn't work out too well. So I think the pain is the same, Elias. This time it's different because you have some really good companies that I look at that are on sale right now. If you're still a buyer, if you're somebody taking income uh, right now, then you have really good companies that their, their share price has gone down but they still really pay a nice dividend. So if you have a uh, if you have the same amount of shares in your fund that's paying you an income, your shares haven't gone down. Just the value of those shares have come down. Uh, your income, a lot of times, most of the accounts that I see, the income hasn't come down at all. It's just been the account balance. So I think that uh, we're dealing with a if we are in a recession. We're dealing with a recession that the, the pain is the same because the losses are on paper right now, but the companies are better uh, than the past recessions. Oh, yes. And I, I, I agree with that, especially when you compare to the dot-com era, which I was not in the business in 2000. I was 12 years old in the year 2000. But I, just some of the things I've read and the things I've seen, I think some of the similarities were some of the euphoria in the market, especially 2021, when look how valuable growth companies got, how that, and people were doing deals in SPACs, cryptocurrencies traded up super high, NFTs, 
there was all this stuff. So I think that to me is something, you know, the, the euphoria of markets that have ran really high, I think was there. But I, I do agree that so far to me, this bear market and recession has been, it's been, I don't want to minimize it, but it's like, it's not that big of a deal, at least right now. Cause the market, you know, where the market is today, it's really not that bad. You know, if we went down another 15% and people's portfolios are down 30% total, I think that's going to get very painful for people, but it is very possible. And historically, if you look at recessions, it's very possible to have an economy that slows down, to have a, a market that doesn't overcorrect, but maybe just reprices kind of like what we're seeing now. And we just start building steam back into a hot running economy and a good market. And obviously, probably the most pressing thing right now is getting inflation under control. I think that's the biggest, to me, that's the most painful part of this year. I'm one who I never look at gas prices because I have to go to work. I'm going to go to the places I want to go to. But guess what I'm paying attention to now? Every time I fill up my car, I'm looking at the total. And that's part of my recency bias as I remember the last two years and I could fill up my car for half of that. Um, so I, I think that there, there are a lot of things going on. Um, and let's talk about some tips. So how to avoid some of these behavioral biases, which I think would lend to being a successful investor. Because um, here's the reality. We all have biases, right? We all have them. It's so much part of even our subconscious. It's hard to control. But I think for me, some of the things you can do, one, have a financial plan. And another thing to go along with that, I just, I think delegating your financial planning and your portfolio management, like to me this year, if this year doesn't get people over the hump to want help professionally with their financial planning and their investments, I don't know what's going to get you to that point. Um, so anyway, I think those are some of my thoughts on that. What are some of your thoughts on avoiding behavioral biases? And I guess you, you already talked about a media filter, but do you have any other insight for that? Yeah, you know, I, I would say just, you know, try to identify your relationship with money. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, trying to get a financial strategy in place, either through a financial uh, advisory office like ours, don't run out don't run out and buy a financial product right now because you're concerned or you're, or you're motivated to do that do a financial plan first a lot of the financial planning that we're doing you know i would say back to the the planning um this this helps you with biases too because uh you could be shocked about your 401k statement but you come into premier investments you do a one-page financial plan and we talk to you about what type of a retiree you're going to be on one of your meetings. We talk about non-financial stuff for, for one of the meetings. And that's the most popular meeting. I'll have people that are three to five years away from retirement. And like you mentioned, Elias, um, a lot of young people are coming in because they wanna do a financial plan for a couple of reasons. You know, Number one, they hate their jobs. 
So it doesn't matter what age they 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 want to just make sure that. We, and we all have those yeah. days. <laughs> Everyone has those days where you hate your job. Yeah, yeah. So why not? What a great what a great reason to go get a financial plan because that money is going to replace your job someday. And then we have uh, some folks come in and they they just came back from the doctor. They had a bad checkup. And they were do-it-yourselfers, you know, they were doing all the finances. If you look at the Everett family, my wife has no interest whatsoever um, in financial planning and investment planning. Um, however, when it comes to the kids' doctor's appointments, she is the CEO and she is the professional um, export, expert when it comes to that. So She's in charge at the doctor's she, she's office. She's in charge. What will help you with biases is just having a financial strategy on the financial side, uh, what will help you with biases is just asking yourself, what's most important to you about your money? Um, is it filling your mailbox up and your bank account up each month? Is that what you saved your money for um, or not? What's most important to you about your money? Um, is it just looking at a balance and watching it grow as much as possible? You know, To me, the latter is not a financial plan. I mean, that is just entertainment. Somebody that just wants their account to grow and grow and grow with no financial strategy is kind of setting themselves up for failure because the markets fluctuate too much and you're looking at your accounts too much for that to happen. So I think a lot of the biases can creep in uh, to the investors that don't have things written down in a financial plan. You could do it with us, you could do it yourself. You can do financial planning yourself, but just writing down what's most important to you about your money. And don't let anybody shake you from that. And I, I think that that's a good point. You, you can do it yourself. And I think the most important part of planning is execution. So you could take the most vanilla financial plan, like Dave Ramsey's Baby Steps are a good example of that. It's not the most savvy financial plan out there. But here's what I know. If you do it, it'll work. And it's a lot of people have proven that that works. Jonas, I think, you know, we talk when we talk about, you know, behavioral biases and um, and how they correlate to investing. To me, it, it always kind of circles back towards market timing. And, you know, a lot of times I'll just tell a story. The other day I was talking with a young person um, they want to know what should I do right now? And my best suggestion suggestion for them was either up your 401k contributions, or if you have some extra cash in the bank, have you maxed out your Roth IRA this year? Maybe just max it out early since the market's down right now. Um, and one of the responses was, well, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait until there's a, <laughs> there's an uptrend with some steam in the market. And a couple things. One, you should want to buy at the lowest possible price. So I, I, don't, I don't understand the waiting for an uptrend. And two, market timing is probably the hardest thing to do in our business. I actually don't know of a single investment professional that can do it. And I think even Warren Buffett, and I know you're a big fan of Warren Buffett, I don't think he's ever held himself out to be a market timer. I think he's always been someone who has decided he was going to buy what he views as quality companies and hold them 
for a long time. So I just want to touch on some of the realities of market timing. And we, we can probably put this chart, um, put this chart on the, at least the YouTube show. So an initial investment, 10 years, 10 years ending December 31st, 2021. So you would have started this in 2011. If you started with $100,000 and you didn't do anything until the end of 2021, you'd have $462,000 account balance. And this is in the S&P 500. If you missed the best 51 trading days, and what I mean by that is you were in the market some days, out of the market some days, trying to time the market. If you missed the best 51 days, you would actually be down almost from your initial investment, almost $2,000. Your account would be worth $98,657 where you could just put the money in and do nothing. And the result is very good. Or if you're trying to get in and out and you miss those best days, the result could really be catastrophic, especially when you're talking about, to me, that's really more like a $300,000 loss due to opportunity cost. Yeah, and we we have the data and the research on this, and uh, you, you could go back seventy two years. I mean, we're uh, th this chart, uh, this this statement, this research. Uh, I have one customer. Uh, actually, he's not a customer yet. I've never met him, but he's a huge fan of the radio show. So he'll call me. Uh, he'll call me at the office here, and he's, he'll say, "Every show, make sure you remind investors that." If they miss the best 30 or 50 days, what happens to their account values? So and then one of your fans calls in. To, yeah, one to of, let you know they that. remind me he, he is so passionate about that. And I'm, I'm thankful for the reminder that he calls me because this data goes back to 1950 that we have. And it's the same darn thing. It's almost like uh, uh, I'm a big fan of the movie Moneyball where, uh, you know, uh, they're uh, uh, you know, in, in the major leagues, you're going after batting average. Well, here, the average here, uh, a good batting average in the major leagues is 300. Uh, imagine if, if you miss those 30 or 50 hits during the course of, uh, you know, 162 games, your batting average goes below 100. So that's exactly what this is saying. And the, the research, uh, you know, it's, it's not a fad, if we have uh, if we have the data to back it up going going 72 years but every period of time you mentioned a 10 year period of time you can go back 72 years and if you miss the best 30 or 50 days then your your uh, your gains are zero and maybe you're even losing a little bit of money so yeah back to Warren Buffett his statement is he's he's never knew a guy that knew a guy that could time this stuff you know that's why I get a kick out of uh, that's why I get a kick out of people that buy crypto and and people that uh, you know put all their money in individual stocks because uh, um, if if the supposedly the greatest investor in the world um, isn't a market timer how how is main how is somebody on Main Street Iowa uh, going going to be a market timer? Well, how, the, the however, answer real is quick, they will not be. Real quick update on the Oracle of Omaha. So he had a cash position. We've always uh, recommended a bucket strategy where people have some cash to invest uh, for some opportunities. Uh, Warren Buffett has always had a bucket strategy on steroids. So his bucket of cash, uh, his number one bucket, has has been having somewhere around $150 billion um, in it uh, most of the time the last five or so years. 
Guess how much of that he's deployed so far, Elias? I, I don't know the answer, but I do know that they've been buying. $50 billion. So uh, 50 billion of the 150. Yeah, 50 available. of the 150. So uh So a third. Yeah, imagine like Elias said having your own bucket strategy where number 1 is just your second spare tire, your your money over and above your emergency fund. Hey, let's if if uh if the Oracle of Omaha, if Buffett's b- deploying a third of his cash, let's deploy a third of your second spare tire right now to take advantage of opportunities. He's not trying to buy it. He's just trying to find some really good companies that he likes on sale right now. Right. And that that's the way he views it. He's a successful investor. So to him, there's a sale that there's nothing. Um, I don't think like anything catastrophic going on that. And obviously we all understand the market could go down. It could get cut in half. It, that's the reality of it. Um, but savvy investors, they do, like you just said, they do things similarly to uh, to what Warren Buffett does. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, um, exactly what, what you said on AM600, Warren Buffett says this all the time. Um, you said on AM600, uh, don't bet against young Americans. I, and pre- I said they're I pretty said, good investors. You have the said, data on that. Don't bet against America. Yeah, I said and, that. and you and Buffett say don't bet against America. So if you like some of these companies, but do me a favor, make sure that uh, on your retirement accounts you know what the, your top ten holdings are um, in your mutual funds. At, at least do that for me. And uh, if if a, if if something in that top ten list doesn't resonate. With you, if if you're not a big fan of Tesla, if you don't think Main Street Iowa is going to be driving electric tractors, you know, in a couple of years, then uh, maybe you looked at at doing a different uh, mutual fund that owns like the John Deere's and the Caterpillars of the world. Um, I I I have a bias towards what companies I like, and my companies they they pay a lot more dividends than the, than the other companies do. But again, I'm just the traditional, I'm more of a traditional, um, investor. Yeah, you are. And it's, that's probably what a product of experience. And I would say age, but we'll just say wisdom. You just been around for a long time. (laughs) Let's say wisdom there. Wisdom. Yeah. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm probably not probably, I know I'm more of a growth investor at this point in my life, but I have, a much longer time horizon than someone who's 55 years old. Um, so let's transition into the last topic today in thinking fast and slow. It's a book by behavioral scientist, Daniel Kahneman. Um, you told me something very interesting about this the other day, how there's like a million downloads on Amazon or somewhere of this book and less than 1% of people actually listen to it because it's such a dry topic but you're like a champion and you either read it or you listened to the whole book or something. Well, I think I may have just blacked out. It was so b- boring that I, uh, <laughs> I blacked out, but hopefully I retained uh, all the knowledge, but, uh, he is the man, he's the professor. He's the, this is the, the social scientist that answers to no one except for his wife and, and God probably. And, uh, he is, uh, he's the man that has looked up to as far as uh, human behaviors and biases. And he's done all the research, all the studies, all the lab tests and everything else. He's come out with uh, 
two types of uh, decision-making tools that humans have. He calls it system one, the blink tool, and then system two, the think tool. Well, uh, and he's, he's basically saying that uh, most of the errors come from people just making snap decisions about very, very big investments that they have. And uh, he calls that the, the blink decision where you just may have a, uh, you may have a bias about something that you've had forever and you make your decision based on that bias, or you just do something off a recent uh, memory. So uh, a really good uh, blink uh, investment would be someone saying, somebody said real estate's a good investment, never goes down, I'm gonna put all my money in real estate. Well, if you did that in 2007, then what happened to your account uh, balance or what happened to your holdings at that point? Yeah, Elias? I mean, you could you could have timed that market absolutely wrong. Yeah, the the think tool or the think system that we have is the research. Um, it's the number cruncher person. It's my engineers customers. They want to make sure that the numbers uh, the numbers jive at the at the end of the day. A lot of people um, are, it's kind of like a teeter-totter. It's just like a balance of when we're making decisions, what we try to tell people is this is a very real thing. And when it comes to your big ticket item purchases, we want people to lean away from the blink, the snap of the fingers judgment decisions, and we want them to actually have the information. So on my meetings with new people, I have them, uh, take out a notepad and a pen of paper, and I give them the research first, whether they want it or not, uh, just because I want their system to, I want their think system um, to maybe come up front, and I want have I want them to leave their blink system maybe behind a little bit, and uh, we need to see if the numbers are going to crunch first. And really, system two is a financial plan, right, Elias? That's the that's the one one page financial plan. <laughs> Yeah, it is. And, and that was my takeaway from this, that really when you're talking about your financial planning and your investments, you want to be using your your think system, which is a more considered rational approach using all the research like you just talked about. And I actually I think some of the best advice for investors right now um, can be just make smart decisions and then live with them. Because the reality is in a bear market, you can make a smart decision and three weeks later, the market could be down even a little bit lower. But if you're making considered rational decisions with good research and good intentions, although in the short term, you might have to live with it a little bit, long term, it, you should have a successful outcome. And that, cause that's what, that's really, to me, that's the bottom line of what successful investors do. Oh, absolutely. And really the system one, two is helpful in many ways because uh, that's where you can actually put things on autopilot, like your 401k, just set it and forget it. If you're a system one person, you don't, you don't want to come in and get a financial plan. You don't want to do the research. You just want to set something up and forget it. The 401k is the best invention financial instrument for that because you just set that up and then you can even have your contributions increase automatically each year. And you can have your rebalancing done every 90 days automatically for you. 
that's a favorite of a system one person. And we talk to uh, we talk to blink people all the time that they don't they work so much they don't have time to do any of this financial stuff. We help them set up their four hundred one case, set it up so they can just forget it. Yep. And uh, so anyway, Jonas, I think that's a good good point that we could wrap up uh, wrap up with today. Um, thank you for filling in and being on the show today. I know Roger and I appreciate it. To all the listeners, if you'd like some help, you could visit our website. It's btwellshow.com. There's a button that you can click there to get started and get in touch with our office. Uh, we, we look forward to hearing from you and thank you for listening. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.